well, I had no intentions of speaking on this six times, but it was just a one-time deal. But here we are six nights later. Uh, God put it on my heart weeks and weeks ago just to have you be aware that when you renew yourself spiritually or you're aggressed towards God, the enemy resists. And we've just been talking about the different ways that he resists with the influences of the world, and that is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That's what is defined as the world in 1 John 2.15. We've talked about that. We've talked about the mental harassments that come, and they come from uh, of many times of satanic origin and how to resist that. I do have a book back in the foyer, if you don't have my book on Change Your Mind, Change Your Life, go into detail on how to control your thinking patterns and how to meditate the Word of God. It'll change your life. And then we've talked about um, uh, the third way the enemy uh, attacks us is through envy and strife, discord. And then we took a night, talked about deception, false doctrine. And now last week, and I uh, didn't quite get done, so I thought I would uh, finish it up this week. We've talked about our authority in Christ. How many know that when Jesus died, was raised from the dead, he didn't do that for himself. He did that for me and you. And so, you know, uh, a business that, for instance, creates a new model car, <clears throat> the first thing they do is build a prototype. Or you got a new engine or a new whatever, a gadget. You got a prototype. So they, they put it through the molds, the engineers work on it, and they say, here's what we want to build, here's what we want to do, and we want every single one to look just like this. That's the prototype. Jesus is our prototype. Jesus is the God-man. Jesus is the first man to be raised from the dead. Jesus is the first person to experience the new birth. Jesus is the first person since Adam, the first man, sin, who came alive with authority over the devil. Is that good news? And so he's the prototype. Are y'all awake tonight? And so what belongs to Jesus belongs to us. So we started talking about this last week, and I encourage you, Get a hold of this truth. I was in church for 18 years and never heard anything about my personal authority in Christ. Once you understand your authority, the first thing it does is humbles us and causes us to want to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We submit ourselves to Jesus, and then he elevates us to his position. Is that good news or what? In fact, it's not Jesus up here looking down at us down here. It's Jesus right here seated uh, at the right hand of God looking across at us because we're seated with him. And y'all haven't got this yet. And that seating means we have authority over the demonic. How many hear me? And so I want to go. So let me say this. uh, I'm trying to summarize tonight because it could be that I... Give some time, some questions and answers. You know, when I was a kid, I watched scary. How many watched spooky movies? How many have seen uh, demonic movies? Like poltergeist, things like that. Just crazy. And you, usually they show the devil as a, as a big, big, great big guy. And usually the priest or somebody representing a Christian as, as kind of, a, kind of a, a milky kind of a person who's anemic and has no spine and uh, who doesn't resist anything. That's usually the way they show it. So I was raised with the ideology that Satan was big. Let me also say that, you know, I delved into um, uh, horoscope reading, and, and uh, because I was in a public school, I read witchcraft books and all that kind of stuff. When I came to Jesus age 18, there was like a, a cloud over me, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I come to understand that because of the things I had delved in as a younger person, these little devils tried to follow me 
into my walk with Jesus, when I saw what it was and saw my authority in Christ, I turned to that stuff, said, get out of my life, don't ever come back in the name of Jesus. And it's all these years later, and thank God I'm a free person, and you can be too. How many hear me? So whatever you've been involved in in your past, the good news is Jesus forgives and cleanses your past and gives you authority in the demonic realm to say, get out of here in Jesus' name. Not only for you, but you can go and set other people free right, as well, right? So we talked about that in fair detail last week, and I talked about the fact that when God first created uh, Adam and Eve, he gave them a measure of his all authority. He's the overarching authority over the universe. He is overall in charge of everything and knows everything about everything that can be known. But for a period of time, God gave Adam and Eve on earth when he created them a time-limited authority. We talked about that last week when Adam and Eve sinned. Not only did they break fellowship with God, but the authority God had bequeathed to them was automatically given to uh, God's arch enemy, Satan. When Adam and Eve obeyed Satan, he gained the authority that God had given them. And now in the New Testament, he's called the God of this world by uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Jesus in John 14.30 called him the prince of this world, uh, the, the ruler of this world. And so th that just simply means he has a legal right to be here. Ephesians 6, we find out there's a there's a hierarchy of principalities, powers, as the Scripture says, rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual wickedness in high places. And these are demonic, uh, demonic entities in the invisible world that are actually manipulating human life and human behavior. And the good news is that we as believers have authority over them. Now, what we got to understand is right now there's a huge war, and Satan knows he has but a short time, Revelation 12 says, and so he's come down in great wrath. So it seems as though when all of us are experiencing this, it seems like we're in a compressed time where uh, Satan's really trying to erect uh, a system of one world uh, governing, and the end result will be a person, a political leader that will rule the world, that the Bible calls in the book of 1 John Antichrist. I've said that so many times, but that's the way it is. So you've got to understand the world's going that direction and, and trying to push everybody else away from Christianity. They don't want your kids to be Christianized. They don't want you to think about Jesus, think about the Bible, think about God, the morals that make this nation great. They want to move us away from all of that. So, so we actually are demoralized and we're easier to guide and tyrannically control. That's where the world is going. The good news is we have authority in Jesus' name. Yes or no? So we need to exercise that. So I go into my future knowing that Jesus is about to come back and there's a huge, and, and huge counter-offensive on the demonic realm. We've already won the battle. And we already have the victory. So this is the time for us to hold our head high and do what God's called us to do. Yes or no? So Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul prayed this prayer. If you didn't hear last week, go back and listen to it because I can't say all that again. But I uh, uh, mentioned a number of scriptures, 1 Corinthians 2, 6. We looked at uh, Colossians 1, 13, Colossians 2, 15, multiple translations. But today, Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul prayed a prayer for the church and he prayed this beginning with verse, um, oh, here we are. I'm going to read New King James. I hope I put it in the notes. If not, here it is. Ephesians 1, 15. I therefore, 
also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. This is a prayer he prayed. This is a good prayer for you to pray for yourself and for others. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding, that is your mind, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. Then he explains the working of that mighty power which he worked in Christ. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Uh, and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age uh, that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all with himself. Continuing in chapter 2, the Bible was not originally written in chapter and verse. That's for us, for reference sake. This was just one continual letter. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts or strong pulls of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others but God. I love the word but. But God. Everybody say but God. So that's, that's pretty dire straits there, verses 1 through 3. But he says, but God, who is rich in his mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up together. Everybody say, raised us up. Say together. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We have been raised in, on a level spiritually with the Lord Jesus, meaning we have exactly the same authority over the devil and all of his myths that Jesus does. Yes or no? You, you got to know that. In fact, the weakest child of God... The, the, the most immature believer, the newest believer has just as much authority over the devil as Jesus has. Amen. Is that good news? And here's what we do and here's what happens. A lot of people don't understand their, their authority and then the responsibility they have to walk in the light of the word of God. You know, my children, let me give you an example. My children, you know, and you have children, now we have grandchildren, but when my children were young, we did everything for them. They're newborn babies, so, you know, you feed them, you clothe them, you change their diaper, you bathe them, you do everything for them. As they grow, what do you do? Well, uh, age appropriately, you give a little bit more responsibility, a little bit more. They start holding their own bottle. Eventually, you know, they start trying to put food in their mouth and stick it on top of their head or up their nose. And you just keep letting them try and fail, trial and fail until they succeed. They learn to walk. Then finally, you teach them to, you know, dress themselves. And finally, teach them to go to the bathroom. Thank God for that day, right? You know, 
That's, that's a, the, the expenses go down when you have to quit buying the diapers, right? But see, same way, and then as they continue to mature, then you age appropriately, allow them to make decisions, choices. You, you, you don't treat a 10-year-old the way you do a 2-year-old. And you certainly don't treat a 15-year-old the way you treated an 8-year-old, right? So, so think about spiritually. We should be growing in God. Now, what would happen if you had a 15-year-old still wearing a diaper? Something's wrong. Or you got a 14-year-old, you're still sticking a spoon in his mouth. Something's wrong. Yes or no? Or, or a 12-year-old, and you're making all their decisions of what kind of clothes they put on, and, and et cetera, et cetera. No, 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 something's wrong with that. And you know what we've done in the church? We expect the, the, the spiritual people in the church, the pastor, the church leaders to do all of our praying for us, all of our believing God for us, and we sit back on our chair and suck our thumb. And my friends, that's the reason the church is in a mess that it's in today is because we haven't taken the authority and grown up spiritually the way that we should. Yes or no? So if you want to know why I preach the word and preach it, preach it fairly strong, is because I don't want you to be a, a 15-year-old baby. I want you to grow, right? So it should be that as you age spiritually, you begin to exercise your own authority. I was listening to Kenneth Hagin, a, a video from many years. In fact, I think I was in Tulsa when this video was created in the early 80s. And, uh, and he was talking about the fact that he was always able to pray, for instance, the prayer of faith for his children, get them healed. He mentioned his son, Kenneth, who's now in his 80s. And uh, said he said when he was 15 years old, he got some kind of a weird, weird um, tropical ear infection that came from the South Pacific. The, some of the soldiers brought it back. And it was incurable. He went, took him to the doctor. They had to irrigate his ear, clean it out. He said every three months, they're going to have to clean his ear. By the time he's age 40, he'll probably lose his hearing in that ear. And uh, so his son, Kenneth, called uh, Brother Hagin. He was out in the meeting and said, I need you to come home, pray for me. And uh, the Lord spoke to Brother Hagin and said, it won't work this time. Now, all of his life up till age 15, he was able to pray for his son. And he mentioned several things, you know, they believed God for, and God always answered. The prayer came through, and God, uh, you know, for instance, one time he had the mumps, came home from school, and everybody, everybody at the school had the mumps, and uh, his, you know, his glands were all swollen up. He prayed for him, 45 minutes later, no mumps. So he gave several illustrations like that. Then he said when he got home and, uh, and he talked to his son because he had this ear infection, he said, son, the Lord told me that you're going to have to exercise your own faith and you're going to have to command the devil to leave your body alone in Jesus' name. You're going to have to get this one on your own. And he said his son, he said, uh, he said the Lord spoke to him and said, your son knows the word as good as you do. In fact, when he told his son that, Kenneth, his son said, you know, I can, I preach. In fact, Brother Hagin said to him, you know, you can preach some of my sermons. You, you can. And his son said, yep, I've been preaching a bunch of them. And so because he knew he had responsibility, and so his dad could no longer exercise authority in his life. So uh, Ken Hagin Jr., he said that was the first time that he prayed and believed God and got his healing for himself. That thing dissipated, disappeared, and has never come back, and here he is in his 80s. Isn't that cool? So that's an illustration of the fact that at some point, here's the question, when am I going to begin to pick up and begin to exercise my rights in Christ? How long am I going to depend on someone else to answer, to, to pray for me and to exercise faith in my behalf? 
at some point, I got to grow up. Yes or no? And y'all, it's time to grow up. How many believe it's time to grow up? And you know what? It's time for us to grow up because you know what? When you learn that you learn that you have authority in Jesus and you learn to exercise authority in your own life, God will use you to minister life to other people and pray over other people and break the chains of the devil off of other people's lives. Yes or no? But how can you minister to someone else if you haven't been ministered to yet yourself, right? So this is, I'm telling this is a, this particular subject in my personal life has probably done more to set me free than any other subject that I have ever read because it, it forced my hand once I saw that when Jesus was raised from the dead and I was raised with him and when Jesus defeated the devil, I was in him. The Bible says we were in Christ. When Jesus hung on the cross, you hung on the cross. When Jesus died, you died. When Jesus went to hell, you went there. When Jesus was, ju- were, uh, was judged, your sins were judged. When Jesus was raised from the dead, spiritually, you were raised up. When Jesus ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father, you spiritually ascended and am now seated at the right hand of the Father. Is that good news? That's where you are. That's what you have. That's what belongs to you, and that's what the Apostle Paul is bringing uh, to uh, light here in in this prayer in Ephesians 1, and then as it continues in Ephesians 2, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. So if we're seated in heavenly places in Christ, what is below us? Well, it says it really clearly. Start with verse 20 which he worked in, of, of chapter 1, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And what is he above? Here it is. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name this name, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come and has put all things, everybody say all things, under his feet and gave him to be head over all things. Everybody say all things to the church. So what's that say? The authority that Jesus has is given to us. Is that good news or what? It's incredible. I, I finished my sermon Sunday morning. When is Sunday morning? And I gave you an illustration of Kenneth Hagin, Jesus appearing to him. And in fact, I went back and researched that. It was in 1952. And a demon spirit came between him and Jesus and just blacked Jesus out where he couldn't even see him. And then started hollering real loud, shrilly, in a shrill voice so he couldn't hear his voice. And Jesus wouldn't do anything about the little demonic thing that was messing up his vision he was having to Jesus. And finally, Brother Hagin said, I command you, I command you to shut up and come down in Jesus' name. He said when he did that, that little thing fell, that little demon spirit, he had discerning of spirits, seeing the spirit, hit the ground, began to tremble and shake. And then he looked at Jesus, and you remember the illustration at the very end of the sermon. And uh, he, uh, Jesus said to him, now if you hadn't, he, Brother Hagin said, why didn't you do anything about that? And Jesus said to him, if you hadn't have done anything, I couldn't. And he had never heard that before. And you know what? A lot of believers hadn't, have never heard that before. There's not one place in the New Testament that God ever uh, commands the church to have somebody pray for them and command the devil to come, or, or ask the Lord to do something about the devil. He's already done anything, all he's ever going to do about the devil bothering you. Yes or no? So if anything's going to happen, it's going to be 
be because you and I exercise authority that Jesus gave us. Yes or no? Now, I, you know, when I first came to Jesus and I got a hold of these truths, um, a fear of uh, sickness, disease, and early death had grasped my mind. And I've talked about that many times. Uh, somebody, anyway, somebody told me I'd die early, and uh, I don't even want to tell the story anymore. I've told it so many times. But that thing got so seated inside of me, it produced such a fear. When I came to Jesus, I said, you know what? I'm no, I said it out loud. I'm no, I'm no longer afraid that I'm going to die young. You know what? I will not die young. I'll live my whole life out. I bind every demonic intrusion into my mind, into my emotions, and into my thought life. I bind you. Get out of my life in Jesus' name. And you know what? That thing evaporated from my life. And I've been all over the world. I've traveled in some really weird spots in the world, but I've never been afraid again that I'm going to die. I've been close to death six times with all kinds of things that have happened just by living life and traveling and doing things, but the Lord has always kept me. And you know what happened? That fear was broken in Jesus' name. And I said, what is it with you? You know, I had to deal. Let me say again, when I first came to Jesus, I had to deal with all this mess that I allowed in my life as a human being for the first 18 years of my life. I had to deal with, again, with the demonic mess that came from messing with horoscopes. If you've been reading horoscopes, you ought to go home and throw the books away. In fact, you should never look at another horoscope another day in your life. There is the demonic attached to that. Did you hear what I'm saying? You should have nothing to do with crystals or any of this stuff that, that people are selling to, you know, give you some blessing, to give you some peace. Don't mess with that kind of stuff. And if you've ever messed with witchcraft or any of the demonic stuff, shut the door in Jesus' name. How many hear me? If you've had melancholy, you feel depressed, you feel low a lot, you know what? You need to stand up, exercise your rights and privileges in Christ and say, devil, take your hands off my mind, take your hands off my emotions, and take your hands off my body in Jesus' name. How many hear me? It's time for us to exercise our authority. Yes or no? Y'all hear? All right. So one other thing I want to share, and I may, let's see, ooh, it's going fast. Now you can understand why James said what he said in James chapter 4, verse 7. He said, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If we won't res don't resist him, how many know he's not going to flee? And there's a lot of believers, instead of resisting him, they open the door a little bit wider and let him in. How many know God doesn't want you to do that? Some people abdicate their authority by disobedient living. That went over big. That's the reason James said, therefore, submit to God. Before he said anything about resisting the devil, the first thing he said was, submit to God. That means make sure that everything in your life, as far as you know, is submitted to Jesus, and you're not saying, doing anything that disagrees with him and his plan for you. How many get that? Obedience is the other side of the coin to authority. So see, we're living in such a loose age. You have to teach this a little bit differently now. If I'm saying, he that says he knows him ought himself also to walk, even as Jesus walked, 1 John 2, 6. Yes or no? It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you never do anything wrong. But the trajectory of your life is you don't have a heart of rebellion towards God and you're not wanting wrong things that God says you shouldn't want. Yes or no? 
You're saying no to them. You say, I've had enough of that. I don't want it. And when you mess up, you just confess your sin and say, God, I don't want that to be a pattern in my life. I don't want that in my life. I messed up. Forgive me. And how many know he forgives and cleanses you? So he says, submit to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. You know, uh, our men's meeting, it was really, it took an odd turn for me yesterday morning and man, we had it. Did we have a good time? My goodness. But I ended up talking about our obedience to God and the importance of it. And I read Isaiah 1, 19 and 20 where it says, if you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. If you're willing and obedient, God blesses you. It doesn't mean that you're perfect, but you got to be willing. That is, your heart is submitted to Jesus. You're not intentionally going a path that you know the Lord doesn't want you to go and that goes against His Word. How many hear that? No, no. You're willing and you're obedient as far as you know, right? Now, how many know we have the grace of God on us? So this is not a legalistic thing. He said if you do that, you will eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel. You'll be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So let me just say this. Uh, the most important thing you're going to do as a believer is get a hold of your authority in Christ. Now I've got, there's, I actually looked at this 21 pages of notes here. There's a lot of notes. And then towards the, towards the end of the notes for this message, and it's taken me six lessons on this, there's lots of scripture and lots of different uh, 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 translations of scripture So, so for some of these verses about our authority in Christ. Let me encourage you to do this. This is what I've done all my life. I still do it. I go back and meditate on things I could quote. Uh, I go back and think about them. Meditate means to let something go over and over and over in your mind. You know, a cow has seven stomachs. A cow's a good meditator. So he's standing in the field. He grazes in the field. And then you see him under a tree during the heat of the day. And he's just sitting there and he's chewing. But he hadn't been eating anything for a while. Why? I know it's nasty, but it comes out of one stomach, comes back up in his mouth. He chews it some more, goes down into another stomach. He's meditating. So what you want to do is meditate on these scriptures. In fact, I can't encourage you enough. Get the scriptures that I've read and meditate them, meditate them, meditate them. I had such a fear of the demonic when I was a young guy that I got a hold of these scriptures when I heard people teaching about the authority of the believer like I'm talking about now. I mean, I got these scriptures and I read them and read them and it didn't seem real to me. It didn't seem like I had the authority. I'd never heard this all of my life. And, and you know, it was new to my mind. It was new to me as a believer. But you know what? I knew it was true because it's the Word. And I just meditated on them. I read them out loud. I would, re- I would write them down, read the list out loud really slowly I'd get one scripture, read it over and over, and eventually I memorized them. So when I went my way, I'm thinking about those scriptures. And you know what? Over the years of time, that stuff got inside of me. I am not afraid of the devil. And, and since all those years have passed, I've been all over the world in all kind of really weird situations. And I can tell you, if you know your authority in Christ, every time the demonic realm tries to attack you, he has to hit the dirt. Is that good news? My goodness. But the key is you got to be submitted to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Again, New English Bible of that verse says, Stand up to the devil and he will turn and run. Um, New Century Version, give yourselves completely to God. Stand against the devil and the devil will run from you. Uh, message paraphrase. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper like that. Amplified says, so be subject to God, resist, stand firm against him, and he will flee. I've looked up these, and I've shared this so many times before, this word resist. I looked it up in lots lots of different um, Greek uh, uh, expositors, and a number of them said this. Strong said this, to resist means to oppose or withstand. Bullinger says, to set oneself against either in word or deed or both. Eliot says this, another Bible expositor, the devil can fight but cannot conquer you if you resist. Wheaton says this, temptation when repelled disappears and when habitually kept at a distance ceases to exist, resist. The idea is don't give in, the idea is resist. How many, everybody say resist. And then resist the devil and he will flee. One guy says, flee because of inspired fear and threatened danger. Another guy, Arndt, says, seek safety in flight. Little and Scott says, run off as quickly as possible. The expositor's Greek New Testament, if you resist him, he will be vanquished and will flee from you disgraced. Is that good or what? So here's what I found out in my life. Every single time the enemies attack me, and sometimes the attacks are strong, sometimes they're mental, sometimes they're mental and emotional, sometimes they're mental, mental, physical, and emotional, and sometimes they're spiritual, mental, emotional, the whole nine yards, right? And you know what? When that happens to me, the first thing I've learned to do is open my mouth. Sometimes I get off by myself and I just say what God's word says about me. Satan, I have authority over you. I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places, far above principality, power, might, dominion. Get out of here in Jesus' name. How many hear me? You actively resist and then you act in faith and Satan has to obey, yes or no? The only thing we don't need to do is open a door and leave it open. In fact, if, as I conclude, and I'll open it up for questions, Ephesians 4, 26 says, When angry, do not sin. Do not ever let your wrath, your exper- exasperation, amplified here, uh, your fury or indignation last until the sun goes down. Then he says, Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give him no opportunity, nor give place to the devil. Uh, New King James says, don't give the devil a way to defeat you. Don't give the devil a chance. How many know often we open the door and how many know we got to shut the door? I've got two illustrations. What you got to understand is we live in a fallen world and Paul, the, Paul well showed us the territory we live in in Ephesians chapter 6 talking about the ranks of demonic powers that are around us. But see, Jesus has shared with us the facts there in uh, Matthew chapter 28, we shared last week, Luke uh, 10, 19, last week, Paul talked about the fact we have authority over him, but we have to exercise our authority and ever be on our guard, yes or no? Uh, two illustrations that uh, have brought this home to me, uh, how that we have authority over the devil. Back in uh, 1986, I had one of my counselors at the large church I was a part of in Tulsa on the uh, staff team, uh, I, I, he was a really he was a friend of mine. He helped me in ministry there. I, I was actually a best man at his wedding. He got married 
some years after I met him and, and, uh, in our church. And uh, just a wonderful guy. He married a, a, a lady that worked at Oral Roberts uh, Hospital, City of Faith. And uh, both of them wonderful believers, both of them, both of them. Uh, just wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, just maybe two or three months after they got married, his wife worked second shift and, uh, and got off like 11 o'clock. And, and uh, he decided to meet her at work, pick her up. And they went to get some groceries at a grocery store, a 24-hour grocery store. Well, they had an accident, a, a person doing 90 miles an hour, drunk, hitting him. And her head hit the window of the car. I mean, just bam. And she had a head injury. I didn't know anything about that. But when you jar the brain, the way that wreck jarred hers, it, it affected her physical brain and her ability to be herself. And uh, you can look up head injuries. I don't anyway. It was a really serious thing. And, uh, of course, she finally overcome the concussion. But what she didn't overcome for a period of time was the after effects of her brain being jarred and the head injury. And we had to believe God for her to come, come back to her natural self. It literally changed her personality. If you've ever seen anybody that's dealt with that, it's a very serious situation. So, you know, he came to me, confided in me. I prayed with him. And I prayed for her. But here's the thing that really astounded me. Uh, the enemy looks for weakness. Did you hear what I just said? He's looking for an open door. And it made real. The reason I'm giving this illustration is it made real to me the fact that the demonic realm is very real. And it's always looking for intrusion into your life. That's the reason you keep the door shut. Jesus has given us authority. Just keep the door shut, right? Well, because she had the head injury, demon spirits from without. And it shocked me. You don't know how they shocked me. It woke me up. I was in my mid-20s when this happened. It shocked me. This wonderful, sweet girl who ministered with us, who counseled with us, who prayed for people to come to Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit and healed in our ministry at that church. This sweet girl, this thing happened to her and the demonic forces from the outside would come through her mouth and curse and curse God and curse her husband and curse people, curse. I mean, just awful. You, I said, man, never. And what it was, it was the demonic realm because she had an injury. They felt that they had permission to get it and we had to exercise authority on her behalf and run that stuff out. And as long as we exercised authority, she quit doing all that. If you read about hand injury, people have some really crazy things that happen after that. If you've ever heard about it, well, we were able to pray, take authority over that and command it to leave and it lessened and gradually dissipated and then I moved away and I didn't get to finish hearing how the story ended. I'm sure she got her complete healing. Fast forward 10 years, I was here in the my late 90s. I'd been here for a couple of years, two, three years. I had some people come up to me and uh, one of their friends who was a wonderful man, he was in his 60s, he had had a stroke and uh, had become debilitated with the stroke, and he was in a nursing home. And the stroke has, had, a, had affected him, and his personality changed somewhat. And this man, I think, was probably in his mid to late 60s. And uh, his testimony was he was a wonderful man. Uh, he had been a believer for decades of time, and um, uh, taught a Sunday school class. He was a deacon in his church, a smaller church, you know. And, um, uh, but when this thing happened, I mean, he was in the nursing home. And uh, members of our church knew them and asked me if I'd come and pray with the lady about her husband. He would curse his, his wife out. 
Now, does that sound weird? The reason for that was his physical brain had an injury and those spirits out here thought they had permission to come in here and just make a mess of the family. They're looking for inroads into your life. Do you hear me? And we have to take authority over them. So I went and talked to the lady, went to the nursing home, and she told me what was happening. And she was in tears. She was a bucket of tears saying, my husband, he's never done anything like this. I mean, he's never been anything but an upright man. He's never said one unkind word to anybody in the world. But now, my goodness, he's just like got loose lips calling. I mean, just call. I can't even say what he said. And, but here's what I said, ma'am. You have authority over this. This is demon spirits on the outside trying to come in. You know what? You resist this, it will not come back and it will leave him alone. Because he can't take authority because he's physically debilitated. You can on his behalf. She began to do that. I prayed with her. We together took authority. I told her exactly what to do. When he has an episode and these things try to come, you do the following. You say this out loud, in the name of Jesus. I bind you and I command you to leave him now. Stop in the name of Jesus. And you know what? They called me after I left and they said, she said, man, this works. And here's what she said. It works almost like magic. She said, when an episode tries to come, and I said, I even said, you don't have to do it even out loud, real loud. Or you can do it under your breath and it'll work. How many hear me? And, you know, it gave them great relief. And uh, anyway, I said all that and shared that with you just to let you know the demonic realm is very real. And we're living in a time just before Jesus comes back that the enemy's seeking to attack everybody from children to the elderly. How many hear what I'm saying? And what you need to know is you have authority over the enemy and you can exercise that authority in Jesus' name. You have more authority in your own life than anybody else's life. When your children are young, you have authority over them and you can exercise your authority over sickness, over disease, over calamity, over all that kind of stuff and you can say no in Jesus' name. As your children age at some point, they have to exercise their own authority. They have to have their own walk with God. They can't ride your coattails spiritually to heaven, right? So you've got authority over your children when they're young as they age. They have their own. So people that are closest to you you, you have a limited authority, but again, we have, we have to exercise as believers our own authority in Christ. And the further somebody is separated from you, the less and less authority you're able to take over them. Unless they're a bona fide baby believer, they don't know who they are, you can pray for them. You can exercise authority against the devil over them. But at some point, they've got to rise up and take some responsibility too. How many, how many understand that? One thing this doesn't do is our authority in Christ doesn't give us authority over, over human spirits. It's authority over demon spirits, not human spirits. And uh, trying to wind this up quickly, um, when Susan and I first went to Tulsa in 1980, 79, 80, uh, you know, I just didn't know that things were the way. I had a feeling I'd go see Kenneth Hagin, go to his school. He was a man of authority and all that. It shocked me when I got to his campus and they had security officers because I figured he could exercise authority over the devil. They wouldn't even, even need the security police. How dumb was I? So then I was in a service not too long after we had gotten there. It was on a Sunday night. And, uh, and, um, uh, one of his staff members was speaking. He wasn't there that night. And while Susan and I were sitting in the audience, and uh, it was Patsy Beerman. 
And uh, I think I might have shared this sometime in the past. I don't remember. Anyway, she was speaking that Sunday night. And before you can say scat, she's in the middle of her speaking. She's right up on the podium. And, uh, and, and I, was, I was sitting, you know, on the uh, left, uh, left-hand side. And here come a person running past me as fast as they could. And, and when I looked up, this person lunged at Patsy and, uh, and was trying to grab her. And before that person grabbed her neck, one of the security guys grabbed her. I mean, they put her down and dragged her out of the auditorium. And I heard him, come out, come out, you know. Here's what you got to know. You don't have authority over human spirits. You have authority over demon spirits, right? And so you can't make and force a person to do something you want to do because you have authority in Christ. This is spiritual authority you have against the devil. So you got to balance that out. How many understand what I'm saying? I want to encourage you. I can't encourage you enough. We're living in a really strange day. We have authority. I encourage you to exercise your authority in Jesus over every single thing in your life. Anytime I have a thought, an at whatever kind of thought, any kind of fear thought, any kind of sickness thought, any kind of angry thought, any kind of whatever, I immediately deal with it in the name of Jesus. Anything that comes to me and tells me anything crosswise of what God said in his word about me, immediately I deal with it. Don't allow your thoughts to linger on anything that's negative. And there are fears galore these days post-COVID-19. And I see people every single day walking in fear. Do you? If you walk in fear, you open a door. But you know what? You can close that fear door by exercising faith, by speaking out loud what you believe. So I've said everything I need to say. Anybody got que- if you've got any questions, feel free to ask. Anybody got anything? Because I could go another 20 minutes, but I'm going to stop. Who's got something? Yes. Sorry, exercising authority. Yes. Uh, a parent. Yes. I have a, an example of my godparents praying for their married son. Okay. Who was sick. Yes. And uh, he went to be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. But it, they were a little bit confused in the sense that they were able to pray for other people who weren't even related to them that way. Mm-hmm. And God healed especially one man who was like almost given up for dead, God healed him. But so they had that confidence yes. in the yes. Lord that when their son got sick, yes. that the Lord will do the same. So my question is in exercising authority, is it because that young man is in covenant now with that wife that he married, that it's basically him and his wife exercising authority and his parents couldn't just come over and pray for him and get him set free? No, it's kind of a, it's a big, what you ask is a bigger question than perhaps I have time to answer, except to say that, you know, each case rests on its own merits. We are all personally responsible for us, right? We're living, we're, we're in a war and there are battles in a war. Is that true? So we got to prepare ourselves for the battle. And to prepare ourselves, we need, and I'm, I'm going to talk about this 
in the not too distant future, maybe even Sunday. We need to we need to learn how to exercise our faith in Jesus, and we need to keep our faith built up all the time. Yes or no? So the unanswered questions that I, as an outsider, would have about that: Does did this person understand the healing power of God? Understand how to receive? Was this person's faith built up? Did they th- do the things necessary to build their own faith up? before they were even prayed for. Because, you know, it's not just the responsibility of a man or woman of God who knows how to pray and get things from heaven. It's not just their responsibility to get an answer. It's also the responsibility of the person prayed for to prepare themselves. How many hear me? And so a lot of people want to put the responsibility on someone else and do nothing themselves. That in and of itself, how many know that really is a problem? And uh, people have got faith, prayer, healing, all of it all kind of so jumbled together that they have this ideology. If I can get a thousand people praying, God's going to do something big. Sometimes it just takes one that knows how to trust God. So I don't know all the particular situations about their son. Uh, I know that, you know, anytime for me, I've got four children, eight grandchildren. Well, my four children, they live in different places. And, uh, they have children, so they're responsible for their families. Now they're spiritually responsible for themselves. I pray for them. I believe God for them. But you know what? They have to resist the devil for themselves. How many hear me? I mean, I think God answers my prayer, but again, they need to take responsibility to do so. The things that are unknown in a lot of situations is what is a person doing themselves to receive from the Lord? And is there and, and are they walking with God the way that they should? And those are things we just never know. And sometimes, let me just say, don't judge things. When something happens to someone and you don't know why and maybe maybe you're, they're expecting to be healed in their diet, you don't know all the ins and outs of that, do you? I never judge that. I never say, well, you didn't, you did. Uh-uh. I just say, God, I have no idea. I pray for them that the Holy Spirit will help them. How many hear what I'm saying? And that's really, really, really important. So, again, my phone is ringing. Hang on. Let me cut this off. All right. So, um, again, you know, uh, I, I, what you don't want to do is lay blame on anybody. I don't think that's right. Uh, and, again, we don't know everything. And because you don't know everything, you can't judge why something happens to someone else. I know me. I know what I believe. I know Jesus. I know what he said. I know his word, and I'm most responsible for me. And when something doesn't happen in somebody else's life, you just got to set that on the shelf. I Listen, I, I've been this thing so long. I've got friends. I've got personal friends I've known who I thought had more faith than I did and died. Can I explain it? Uh-uh. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I've got people in ministry that I knew that died early and, and shouldn't have. All kinds of situations and complications. And I'm thinking that shouldn't have happened, but you know what? I don't know. And for what I don't know, I got an invisible shelf. It's full of stuff at this point. And, you know, I've always thought, well, when I get to heaven and see Jesus, I'm going to ask him, what about this stuff on my shelf, all these things? And you know what I got a feeling of is when I get there, it won't even matter to me, man. <laughs> I mean, once I see him, one look, I'm done. So, you know, you're going to have things happen in life and and, and some people will receive, others sometimes don't, and you don't know why. You can't let that hinder your personal faith in God, right? So, again, you know, people get saved, people get filled with the Spirit, people get healed. If I never saw another person saved, I would believe in salvation. 
If I never saw another person filled with the Holy Spirit, I'd believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If I never saw another piece of person healed, or if I never saw another answer to prayer, I'd still believe it because the Bible says so. So what I don't do is I don't let what I think and believe be affected by what happens or doesn't happen to someone else because I don't know their situation. How many hear me? And then I can't judge their situation. Only God can. I don't know the whole thing. He does. So for me, and that's just, uh, that helps me, I just leave things alone that I don't know about. I'm responsible. I do all I know to do. Love people, help people. But you know, in the end, I have to leave it alone and leave it in God's hands. How many hear me? Who else got something? You're back there. Anybody? Oh, I thought you had somebody with a question. Does that help any? <laughs> All right. So, um, when you were talking about the difference between a demonic spirit and having the ability to overcome that versus the human spirit and having authority and not having authority, yes. how do you recognize the difference in some people? Because uh, in some, it's hard to tell <laughs> if it's a demonic entity that's causing the issue versus it's just their own, it's just them. So, how do you judge the difference as it, the, it's a it's a spiritual discernment that you learn just a spiritual knowing that you'll come, become aware of and so you know let me say this about exercising authority over the demonic so all of us uh have been in work environments that are weird yes and the atmosphere is like oh, this is crazy what is it and so you know i carry a measure of authority in my own life and i can exercise authority in the spiritual realm, anywhere I am. So if I'm in a situation and uh, and I have to be there and that atmosphere is going to affect me, I can affect that atmosphere. I don't have to. And, you know, exercising authority, you don't have to, in the name of Jesus, come out. Don't do that. Don't do that. You don't have to. I'm sorry if I hurt your ears if you're listening online. And it's a few days later on the podcast. But you know what I'm saying. You can do this quietly and silently. I, you just don't know how many times I've been in a situation in an office environment or some other, or somebody's home or talking to someone. They have no idea. I'm smiling, but on the inside, I take authority over that devil in the name of Jesus. You loose, you stop, you foul devil. And you know, it works. And... uh let me just say that I've had hundreds and hundreds of times that I've known there's a demonic entity behind um, a disagreement, uh, something going on in a relationship with somebody. I'll take authority over that thing and say, you stop in the name of Jesus. You stop. And you know what? I've, a lot of times it just kind of clears up. It, it's amazing how it works. So even though I said... Nobody has a mo more authority than you do in your own life. When somebody doesn't know and they don't have authority or you're dealing with unbelievers that have no clue about the spiritual realm generally, you can command those devils trying to mess up the atmosphere to stop in the name of Jesus. And it doesn't have to be loud. How many hear me? I do my loud stuff by myself and you'll never hear me. And then just go out and smile. And nobody knows what to do. Does that, make, does that help? So, you know, that's, that's what I do. What was, what was the question? Did I answer the question? Yeah. Anybody got another any anything else? Because we're gonna go in a minute. Yeah, go ahead. Get get the microphone. Here we go. What about authority in the bloodline? 
like if you see things going down, you see a pattern in the bloodline because nobody's been aware of spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. When you pray and you break the curse, does Mm -hmm. that only apply to you or does that apply to your children and your grandchildren? Uh, It applies uh, when they're young, it applies to them, sure. Uh, But, you know, the sins of the fathers and mothers are passed to the third and fourth generations. And so there are demonic forces, and sometimes it gets into the DNA of humans, and then there are abnormalities and their illnesses that some families are more prevalent, uh, have are, are more prevalence than others. And then there are relational things that often are passed from generation to generation: anger, anxiety, um, alcoholism, drug addiction, uh, sexual immorality. Uh, you can see patterns in families. Well, you know what? When you see that coming against you, you can say no in Jesus' name. And then and when your children, they're under your control, under your tutelage, and you're ministering to them, you're helping them grow and develop, you can minister to them, you can pray over them, you can stand against junk that tries to come against them. But really, when they get older, they have to stand on their own two spiritual feet. In my family, you know, I, can, I know on uh, my mother's side, my father's side, Susan's dad's side, I don't know a lot about her mother's side, but... Uh, they anyway uh you know i'm aware of those things so when we were raising our children uh i just taught them the word and prayed for them and prayed over them and uh and my family's generally been okay but you know we've got and i gotta i don't know who might be listening (laughs) we have extended family members so i I can't make the devil leave i can i can pray and stand against it but if they don't understand their authority, they could open the door. And without going into a lot of detail, because I, I don't want to uh, open up somebody's personal life that may be listening that is part of our family. But I, you know, I, I'm aware that there are demonic forces that came down the family tree. Well, I didn't let them in. I wouldn't let them into my children, but we've had extended family. I can see they've had some issues. And I've prayed for them. I've done all I could do to stand against that in their life. And I have asked the Lord to pray for them. And, uh, and the end result is, you know, they need to come to Jesus, submit themselves to the Lord. So, so it's hard to help a person that's not willing to submit to Jesus, not willing to crucify the flesh. How many hear me? Not willing to get in the words. Difficult, it's a challenge, and you have to really pray for them. So you've got all those extenuating circumstances when you're dealing with people. How many understand that? That's why all of us, you need to have a developed prayer life. Uh, Because, you know, God has me pray for people who have so many problems. And, you know, I pray for them. And intercession, it's amazing. Intercession goes up to a person's will. It goes right up. and, 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 you know, you can command Uh, for a period of time, the devil to leave them alone. Stop in Jesus' name. But see, their will's involved. If they keep yielding to the flesh, yielding to certain things and keep opening the door, you can only go so far with that. You see what I'm saying? And you just got to stand your ground on that. And I've had the Lord have me pray for different people who were having challenges with, with the flesh in varying ways. And Maybe they work walking with God as strongly as they should and they knew it and others knew it. Well, you can still pray for them. And in a measure, God helps them. And, and, but then more than that, I pray that God deals with their heart and draws them to himself. And they become spiritually astute and spiritually strong. Come to Jesus. They get in the word of God. How many hear what I'm saying? So there's a lot here when you get to talking about this. Have I helped you any? 
Does that make sense? So anyway, yeah. So you have authority in your life, you're in your children when they're young. But as they age, they have to take responsibility. And y'all, we're living in a really weird age now. And uh, I'm telling you, I pray. I pray over my family every day. I name every single one of their names every single day. I've got lists of things, I, people I pray for. I mean, I do it every day. I exercise authority. And uh, I know I have only a measure in someone else's life. But if they're connected to me, flesh and blood, I'm gonna, you're going to get yourself prayed for, friend. <laughs> I'm going to trust God. So what I don't want to do is do anything that would, that would keep any kind of door open. I'm going to resist the devil. How many hear me? In our ministry, listen, I, have to pray, I pray over our church. My, I pray for y'all. You don't know I pray for y'all. I pray over our ministry because, you know, the devil doesn't like anybody preaching the word, right? So I pray a lot in other tongues. I've talked about that on my podcast the last number of weeks. I do a lot of praying. I say, devil, you can't. You have no authority here. I won't allow it. So what you got to know is this stuff is not automatic. You, you have to be aggressive. You have to be on the offense, not the defense. How many hear me? So, and I'm not walking in fear. We're just living in a fallen world. And, you know, you just remind yourself of the promises of God. Remind the angels of God that you can't see the around you of the promises of God because they're looking, trying to figure out who we are. And then remind the devil. Devil, you can't do this. You can't do that. You, uh, 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 uh. you cease in Jesus' name. How many hear me?